Have you ever heard a person introduce a speaker with the following phrase? Our speaker this morning is a person who needs no introduction. But then the person doing the introducing goes on to introduce the speaker, right? Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do as well. However, I will make it very short for three reasons. First, you can read a short bio of Dr. Terry Thomas in your commencement programs. Second, knowing Dr. Thomas, he's champing at the bit to put an end to these inane formalities so that he can take command of the podium. And third, at least among the graduates here, it is in fact true that Dr. Thomas needs no introduction. So let me say just this. I have known Terry Thomas now for 35 years. We met at a college north of here that in the day we called Groovy City. At that time, I was a college student and Terry was a campus minister for the Coalition for Christian Outreach. There was no person who had more of a profound impact at such a critical time of my life than Terry Thomas. I understand the height, depth, breadth, and width of the gospel now because of Terry then. My guess is that there are some of you soon to be graduates who would say the same thing. Will you please join me in welcoming Dr. Terry Thomas. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, uh, it is an honor to uh, get an opportunity to speak, and I, uh, I thank the faculty and uh, administration for that uh, opportunity. I, a great welcome to all the family and friends, you know, fantastic to have you here with us today. A great, great day. But finally, this day is for you. It is for you. That's right. You graduates. Of two, I'm talking about you. Yeah, that's right. 2010. It's fantastic to have you here. Now, well, a special thanks to the uh, winter weather advisory team that came just in case this morning. That was nice of them, clear the roads. But, um, all right, it's a little, little unusual day. We don't usually do this kind of thing, so we gotta get it going. I, I gotta tell you this though, I, this day started out very strangely for me, because this really happened. I got in my car this morning to come down here, and a bird flew in my car. Yeah. It's ama the amazing thing was it was a penguin. That's the it was that cold. I'm like, no, no, that's not true. But that bird did fly in my car. That was very strange. Uh, here's the deal. You know, we take uh, we give you a test in Bible 300 at uh, the end of uh, at the end of class. You know, and we compare it to the test that you took when you were a freshman on the freshman Bible test. And you know, here's the amazing thing: you learned. Yeah. That's right. The, the, the data's in. You learned. You know? Good for us. All right? And for you. That's good for you, too. But um, here's, uh, here's the amazing thing, you know? It's really, it's really not that amazing that you learned. I mean, you spent a lot of time here. You read a lot of books. You talked to a lot of people. You heard a lot of people talking to you and so forth. And, and, and the thing is, being a Christian is not that complicated either, and that, that's kind of what we're trying to figure out. You know, I mean, sure, college is about you know, information and developing competencies and getting degrees and so forth. But at another level, at, a, you know, at another level, it's about identity. 
It's about, um, it's about commitments. It's about devotion. And, uh, and that's what we're trying to teach as well. We're trying to help you figure out what it means to be a Christian. And like I said, it's really not that complicated to figure out what it means to be a Christian. It begins with the surrender of your heart to the grace that's been offered us in Jesus Christ. By the way, these are what we call the five points of Christianity. You know, every good reform school has them. You know? It starts with that surrender of your heart to the grace of Christ. And then it goes to the transforming of your mind. And then once your mind is transformed, you, you learn how to speak wisdom into the various contexts of life. And then as you try to figure out what God's calling you to do, where he puts your hand, you know, whether it's that part of life that is the, the ones we all share as being image bearers of God, or it's that special calling that you've been given. You try to figure out wherever God has put your hand to give yourself to it. And then finally, to learn in that, to give your life away. That, that's not that complicated. I'll tell you what's hard. Actually doing it, that is what's hard. It's not hard to figure it out. And so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to tell you a little story this morning. And the point of the story is about how you do it, what it looks like to do it. And it's one of my favorite stories. And you know, the reason why it's a great story is because it's true. It actually happened. I'm going to tell you this story. I'll tell you right up front. This actually happened. And it happened to me. And that's why I know that, you know, that it's actually true. All right? And it started a long time ago when my son was simply 12 years old, and he came up to me one day and said, Dad, how about this summer you coach our Little League baseball team? We lived in the South Hills of Pittsburgh at the time. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to do that. And so uh, I, I went and uh, volunteered. I figured what we would do is we'd get together with some kids in the neighborhood, and we'd learn how to play baseball and have some fun. Well, apparently not where we lived. They took it a little more seriously, you know, and... I got a letter in the mail, said there was an organizational meeting in the little league, and I went down to a school at a certain room at a certain time, and when I wandered in, there were maybe 20 or 25 guys, you know, smoking cigarettes and speaking in hushed tones, and I thought I was in the wrong room. I thought, this is the AA meeting or something like that, you know. <laughs> no, no, it was a little league meeting. <laughs> okay, all right. So I sat down, and within moments, uh, you know, a model athlete for kids, guy with a big, huge beard belly, smoking a cigarette, came in. And um, he said, well, we're going to, you know, we'll get this thing going in a second here. And he started handing out big legal sheets of paper with kids' names on them. He said, this year we've got 295 11 and 12-year-olds want to play Little League Baseball. He says, start looking over the names, and in a minute we'll start the draft. I was like, draft? Give me a break, you know. And then I, he, I said, how many teams are going to be? He said, there's going to be 17 teams. I looked around. There were too many people there for 17 teams. Then I realized that some of the coaches had brought with them their assistant coaches and their batting coaches and their pitching coaches. I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. And so I had about a minute to come up with a theory about how to select a team. And as I looked over the names, I realized I didn't even know any of the names. On the sheets, though, they had kids, every kid rated according to what they thought his ability was. Can you believe that? That some were A's and some were B's and some were C's. <laughs> they had my son as a B. Come on, seriously, that kid was an A if I ever saw him. So, so what happened was, I looked over the list, I thought, what am I going to do? What am I, gonna do? I came up with a theory, I think you're going to like it. I decided I would pick kids who had good baseball names. <laughs> now, my first pick was Lou Garrett. <laughs> that was close enough for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The second kid I picked, his name was Chaz Rocky. 
That's a great baseball name. Fantastic baseball. I looked, the third kid I picked, Sean Rodriguez. <laughs> Turns out he was Jewish, never played baseball before in his life. I looked over the list. You know what I noticed of the 295 kids? One girl. One girl. I thought to myself, I got to save this young girl's life, you know? So fourth pick I picked, Nicole Stasnik. Yeah. And I went on, I picked the rest of the team. They laughed most of the time when I picked a person, you know. And at the end of the list, there were three kids, all had U's next to their name. Uh, I never found out why. I didn't want to know why they had U's next to their name. I picked all three of them. Yeah. One kid's name was Phil Zarat. I figured they called him Phil the Bat Zarat, you know. <laughs> Turns out he had played baseball before. His mom told me that last year, he said the last three times he was up, he was hit by the ball. And the last time he was knocked unconscious. <laughs> and, and then she said, he's a little tentative now when he bats. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> we had to push him out of the dugout twice while he was up. All right? Yeah. One of the other kids I picked was a kid named Juan Carlos Mazarico. <laughs> he was going to be on my team anyway. But anyway, so... And what was really nice was his dad, Dr. Mazarigos, uh, agreed to help with the team. He was the only parent who agreed to help with the team, which was really nice. Unfortunately, uh, he, had, he did not know the rules of baseball. And uh, so, you know, it was, uh. anyway, got the guys together. And here's the thing. We had 17 kids on our team. And of the 17 kids, only five of them had ever played baseball before. All right. And so it was kind of a rough year, kind of a tough season. We, we came in... Uh, 15th, you know, out of 17. Well, we weren't the worst, but we were, we were up there, you know. And uh, at the end, of the end of the season, we had another organizational meeting, and they got together, and they said, listen, um, you know, there's a tournament at the end of the year. It's a big single elimination. You lose one game, you're out of it. Two big brackets that come down to a championship game, you know, and the, and the guy who was the leader of it said, hey, you know, here's the difference. He says, we'll play like we always have, six inning games and so forth. He goes, there's just three rules you've got to remember that are a little different. One is this one here. He said, uh, during the regular season, you had to play all of your players an equal amount of time, which meant that on the average, you played about four innings a game. He said, during the playoffs, you don't have to play everybody. Just play your best nine players. You don't have to play the rest of them. The same way, during the regular season, you had to bat everybody, you know, one through 17, you know, all the way through. He goes, no, you don't have to do that during the playoffs. You just have to bat your best nine batters. He says, and the only other rule is this. Every team has to bring one new baseball to each game. And then he put a, new, a box of new balls up on the table. He put the brackets up. He said, see when you're going to play, who you're going to play, and take as many balls as you think you'll need for the tournament. So I went over, and I saw we were playing the number nine team in the first game, and they'd beat us pretty good during the year. So I went over to the box, and I took one ball because I figured one game, it's over, you know? So... Day of the game came, and you know I figured I should say something to the guys before the uh, game started. So I sat them all down. I and I don't remember my exact words, but it was something like this. I said, "Ah, guys, it's been a great year, you know, and that really doesn't matter if we win or lose here today. That's not the point. I mean, we're here to learn how to play and to have some fun. And hey, don't don't worry about uh, making mistakes. Everybody makes errors and strikes out. Just focus on what we're trying to do. You know, play play right and have fun, enjoy yourself. Come on, let's go out there. You know. So we go out, and you know, amazingly, this game is going pretty well. It comes to the bottom of the sixth inning. We're actually winning six to four. All right. 
And in the bottom of the sixth inning, the other team scores two runs. We go into extra innings six to six. It was our first extra inning game. We normally weren't that close at the end. All right. And so in the extra inning game, uh, first, first guy up was our best player, a kid named Rick Lersch. Guy was fantastic. He was, a, he was one of our pitchers. He was a catcher. He was so good, he could pitch and catch at the same time. He was that good. He was good. All right. And uh, he hit a single. He stole second, stole third, and stole home, which um, if you've ever seen a little league game, happens a lot more than it should. I can tell you that right now. All right. But it was good that we went up seven to six because the next three guys struck out. You know, so we went to the bottom of the seventh inning. We got the first guy out. We got the second guy out. And the third guy hit a long fly ball to deep right center field. And Juan Carlos went back, 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 and he caught the ball right at the. We won the game seven to six. You know, place went nuts. We threw our kids threw their gloves up. It's a miracle they were saying. You know, I went over to the other coach. I said, Hey, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Uh, some kind of fluke here. You know. I was thinking to myself, I gotta buy another ball. I can't believe that, you know. So I said to the guys, "All right, guys, well, look, you know, big game, uh, you know, on Thursday, you know, we're playing the number six team, you know, and so forth." So, sure enough, the day came, you know. I sat everybody down, and again, I thought, you know, it seemed like the right time to say something. So I gathered them all. I said, "Guys, look, it's been a great year, you know, and." And it really doesn't matter if we win or lose. That's not the point. And we're here to learn how to play. Have somebody. Don't, don't focus on the mistakes that you make. Everybody makes these mistakes. Try to figure out what we're trying to do here. Enjoy yourself. You don't focus on that. Okay, all right, come on, let's go and get them. This game was really going good. I mean, bottom of the sixth inning, we were up 10 to 6. I was like, fantastic. You know, fantastic. They scored four runs in the bottom of the sixth. Okay. <laughs> We went into our second extra inning game in a row, 10 to 10. Rick Lersch was up second, hit a double, stole third, stole home. <laughs> which was good because the next two guys struck out, you know. We went into the bottom of the seventh, up 11 to 10. We got the first guy out. We got the second guy out. Then our pitcher, our third pitcher, because there's a rule in Little League Baseball, you can only pitch three innings or a part of three innings, you know. And, our third pitcher, uh, who wasn't real good, you know, he, uh, he walked the next guy in four pitches, and then he walked the next guy on four pitches, then he walked the next guy on four pitches. I mean, he hadn't thrown a pitch in the same zip code as the home play, you know? <laughs> and you feel a little silly as the coach yelling out to your own pitcher, let him hit it! <laughs> and the kid's out there, I'm trying. Yeah. Kid comes up in the game, you know, who earlier in the game had hit a grand slam home run, you know, and he just couldn't lay off. He just couldn't lay off. He took a swing and the pitch was a little outside. He hit a long fly ball to right center field. Back, back, back at the fence goes one. Carlos, he caught the ball. We won the game 11 to 10. One Carlos, his grandmother was was very excited. I don't know what she was saying exactly, but she could tell she was very, very excited up there in the stands. All right. Her, his dad came over to me and said, hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, eh? <laughs> you know? said, Whatever, you know, okay. I went over to the other coach. I am really sorry, you know. What in the world? Another ball I have to buy. It's incredible. Well, here's the thing, though. What happened was that if we won the next game, we got a buy into the championship game. I was thinking movie rights now, you know, and everything, you know, so. 
So it was fantastic. I said, guys, you know, big game, big game Tuesday night. Everybody be there, you know, blah, blah. At which point, Rick Lerch put his hand. He's a, he was our best player. Did I mention that? Yeah. Rick Lerch put his hand. I said, Mr. Thomas, um, I won't be here on Tuesday. I have to go to soccer camp. And I said, oh, that's okay, Rick. <laughs> so Tuesday came, and without Rick, you know, I, I figured I should say something before the game started, so... Sat him down. I said, look right at him. I said, guys, it's been a great year. You know, that really doesn't matter if we win or lose. I mean, hey, we're, don't worry about making, we're going to play like we always, by the way, we were the only team that played all their players equal amount of time in the playoffs. We were the only team that batted through their entire lineup every time. I had this crazy idea that the idea was to learn how to play and to have some fun. You know? And so I said, we're going to play like we've always played. All right? Now, you always bat your best batter fourth, you know, the power of hitter, you know. And, so I, and since Rick wasn't going to be there, I thought we'd bat our second best batter, Nicole Stasnick, you know, fourth. <laughs> so I said, well, Nicole, you're going to be fourth. You know, and she was, she was a good kid, good athlete. And she was like, okay, all right, all right. You know, so, okay, fine. So we get up, we get out in the field, you know, our first. We get the first guy on. Top of the first inning, got the second guy on, got the third. Bases loaded, no outs. Nicole Stasnick comes to the plate. I yelled down from my first base coaching position. I said, Nicole, we need the big one right now. And she was like, okay. You know? This is the way it actually happened. On the very first swing, Nicole Stasnick hit a grand slam home run over the center field fence. <laughs> Place went nuts, you know, when she crossed home. Now, normally your 11, 12-year-old boy doesn't want anything to do with the 12-year-old. You know, when she crossed home plate, they were oh! Until they realized what they were, oh, yeah, uh, uh, real nice hit there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out this game wasn't even close. We won this game 14 to 6, all right? Yeah. After the game, I went over to the other coach. I said, yeah, we kicked your butt, <laughs> you know? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I thought it, though. I got to tell you, I really... In about the third inning, Juan Carlos, who I knew he would be good if he could figure out how to play. He was kind of burly kind of a kid, left-hander, you know. He kind of checked swing to home run over the right field. One of those like, oh, no, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. His dad ran off into the parking lot, came back an inning later with, like, groceries. You know, Juan hit the home run, we celebrate. Come on. Hey. Other team was super intense. Our kids had, like, corn curls up their nose, you know, big red pop smiles, you know, on their faces. It was fantastic, you know. We got the bye into the championship game Thursday night, Tiger Field. You know, by the way, I, I, this little, I won't mention the community of Mount Lebanon. Um, <laughs> they have a field, I mean, you can't believe the Little League field, you know, with uh, built-in sunken dugouts, you know, PA system, electric scoreboard, announcers. It's unbelievable, you know. That was going to be the big game, the championship game was that night. We were going to play the number one team, undefeated during the regular season. They were coached by a former professional baseball player. <laughs> they had a pitching coach and a batting coach. The batting coach had a batting cage in his backyard that the players had to come and scheduled practices to bat every week. They beat us during the year 24 to 3. 
they had two 11-year-olds that had beards. <laughs> Seriously, I thought about looking for, you know, asking for like a urine test or something right before that. Uh, just a little late, let it go, you know. Yeah, Thursday night came for the big game. You know what happened? It rained, and it rained, and it rained. And the game was postponed to Saturday night, and Rick Lerch came back from soccer camp. <laughs> That's right. And some people say there is no God. Huh? Uh-huh. And so there it was, the big game, the big night. Figured I'd better say something, so I sat everybody down. I looked right at him. I said, guys, you know, it's been a great year. You know, and it really doesn't matter. And before I could get it out of my mouth, Chaz Rocky put his hand up and said, Mr. Thomas, you know, we might win this game. And I said, yeah, pigs might fly out of my ears too, but I, I don't see that happen. Well, I said, well, yeah, no, yeah, sure. I said, but I'll tell you what, we're not going to play any differently. And don't focus on mis- the mistakes you might make. Focus on what we're trying to do, on what you know. Get out there. I said, by the way, Rick's back. We'll put him back in an, in an uh, unprecedented act of maturity on a 12-year-old's part. He'd heard about Nicole hitting the home run. He said, no, Nicole did great. Let, let her bat forth. So I said, okay. So we went out, and this is the way it actually happened. In the top of the first inning, we got the first guy on and the second guy on, and the third guy on, and Nicole Stasnick came to the plate with no outs and the bases loaded. And I yelled down to her, and I said, Nicole, show them where you're going to hit it. <laughs> Nicole took the bat pointed out into center field. She kind of shook her head at me, you know. Little 11-year-old out in center field came in about four steps because no girl could hit it over his head. And this is exactly what happened. On the very first pitch, Nicole Stasnick hit another Grand Slam home run. In the first inning, we scored 10 runs. And by the end of the first inning, I knew we would win this game. You know why? Because by the end of the first inning, the other team had to bring in their third pitcher, which meant that by the end of the game, they would have to bring in their fifth pitcher. And no team had five pitchers, you know? And you know why they had to bring in their third pitcher? Here's why. Because the second pitcher couldn't stop crying. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently you never heard, there's no crying in baseball. Ah. Okay, I felt bad for him. I'll give you that. I felt bad for our players too. Think about it for a second. You're up there, you know, and... You, and the kid's got a ball. It's a hard ball, all right? As a matter of fact, I have the actual ball that I had to buy for the championship game. This is it right here. He's got a hard ball. He's throwing it with little control as hard as he can. And now his eyes are blurry. <laughs> I wanted him out of the game, yeah. It's Ten runs in the first inning before the game was over. 21 to 9. The other coach after the game, you know what he came over and shook my hand? You know what he said? Hey, you didn't have to run up the score. (laughs) We had a big party. Handed out the trophies. We had a cake. It said on it, it's a miracle. 
we sat around, not only us, but I suspect other coaches and disappointed players from other teams, sat around that end of the summer and asked ourselves, how does the 15th team win the tournament? And I got the answer. In case you're wondering, this is the point. All right? I got a point. All right? Here's the point. The point is, in order to be successful at something like this, like athletics or life, you've got to be able to go through a kind of three-phase project. The first part is this one here. You have to know the fundamental truths about things. You have to know the fundamental truths. Like, for instance, in baseball, here's one of the fundamental truths. If the ball is hit on the ground to you, you need to get in front of the ball when you field it and get your glove all the way down to the ground. If you try to catch the ball out to your side and the ball takes a bad bounce, it jumps over your glove, keeps going, everybody scores, happened to us like 10,000 times. Right? If you get in front of the ball and the ball takes a bad bounce, hits you in the face. Perfect. You can still throw the person out or at least you hold them to one base. You see, here's the point. In all things, there are fundamental principles. Part of what it means to be successful is to learn those fundamental principles. Boy, I'll tell you what, when you graduate, you hope you've learned some fundamental principles. But it's not enough just to know the fundamental principles. Here's what you got to do then. You got to practice them over and over and over again. You practice them so that they become so familiar to you that, you know, here's an interesting phrase we use to describe it sometimes. We sometimes call it, they become second nature to you. Second nature. Not that original nature, but a second nature. Not the one that you'd be prone to go to first off, easy way. But the one that you've learned is the truth about the way things are. And sometimes it seems unnatural. Like in batting, it seems unnatural to transfer your weight and to step towards the ball when you swing, especially when you don't know where it's going to go. But it's one of the truths, and you have to learn how to practice it over and over again so that you don't have to think about it when it happens. You simply do it. Second nature. You become discerning about the way things really are. In order when that moment comes, you know how to act appropriately. Let's hope that education is about that. It's not just about information. It's not just about knowing fundamentals. But it's about beginning of the practice of day in and day out, figuring out how to be faithful to those fundamental principles. And then, something really strange happens. At some point, all of a sudden, you gain a kind of hope about the future. And it's a hope that motivates you, it encourages you, and it's a hope that moves you forward into that future. I can remember when we were playing, our players used to come into the dugout after an inning in the field, and some of them would throw their gloves against the wall, and they'd, they'd say this the most amazing thing. They'd say, nobody ever hits me the ball. And I flash back to when I was in Little League, and I thought, remembering myself out there pounding my glove in right field, you know, and all the time praying, God, don't let them hit the ball out here. I think maybe I didn't know the fundamentals well enough. I think I hadn't practiced them over and over again. I didn't have hope about what the outcome was going to be. But here's the deal. When you know the fundamentals and you begin to practice them, you develop a kind of hope about your ability to be able to engage in the future. 
Now let me tell you this, it's not an engagement that's built out of self-confidence. That's not what the Christian faith is about. That's not what your identity is about. That's not what your commitment should be. That's not the kind of devotion we're looking for for you. It's not about a confidence that's in us. It's about a confidence that's in someone much bigger than us. It's a confidence in who God is. God the Father has reconciled this good but fallen creation through the blood of his Son. And now he's transforming it into the kingdom of God by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he's inviting us to participate in that reformation, in that reconciliation, in those acts of redemption. They're not ways in which we trust in our own striving. They're ways in which we trust in God's providing. We hope you've learned. We hope you've learned not to strive, but to trust in God's providing. We hope that you've learned certain fundamentals, enough fundamentals to get you started to be able to practice day in and day out so that you become faithful participants in that kingdom project. We hope that you leave from here people with hope, not a confidence in yourself, but hope in the one who is the source of hope. And having Christ in you be that hope of glory. It's been a great year, four years. And I hope it's going to be a great life for all of you. Thank you.